what a privilege it is is to be able to study and to share the Word of God, build one another up and uh, encourage each other. There's so much to be encouraged about. Jesus is alive. Amen. He's reigning, he's ruling, he's on the throne. Just wonderful. And I love the fact that you know, the Lord speaks in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7 or so. He says, of the increase of his kingdom, of his government, there will be no end. There will be no end. Hallelujah. His government of peace, government of power, his government of love, his government of order. That's why, you know, the first thing pretty much that he invited us to pray when he gave us that prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, which is really just a, a sequence of topics, never meant to be like a rote thing, one sentence after another, but it's rather a sequence of areas of prayer, um, fields of prayer, let's say. And so we start off with our Father, and his name being honoured, then that statement, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. He's calling us to cooperate with him and to share with him and to partner with him in that increase which he has promised and declared shall be, the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. It's a wonderful thing that Jesus is committed to increase. And of course the life, I mean the life that he has placed within us is a life of increase. It's a life that's constantly giving. It's like the scripture is constantly giving. And no matter how long it is that you've read the word of God, studied the word of God, there's always something new, something fresh in it. It's always giving because it's life. His word is life. His words are spirit and life. Heaven and earth may pass away, but Jesus said, my words shall never pass away. And so we have his words today that are rock solid. If you hear my words and put them into practice, if you build on this word, he said, you'll never be shaken. That's it. You'll, you'll, you build and you'll build for good. He who walks in the teaching I give you says, not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus is not only life, but he's the light, the light of the world. When he imparts that life to us, he gives light to us. How awesome is that, to be able to walk in the light, that in the midst of whatever we're facing, whatever challenges there are, there is light for us as we turn to him who is the light of the world as we look up to him to let his light shine. And as we pray, Father, let your light shine this morning as I come to you, this morning as I open my heart to you. Lord, let your word come alive in me. Let your light shine. We pray, reveal yourself to us and through us for your praise and your glory. Hallelujah. There's nobody else who can claim to be the light of the world but Jesus. Amen. And we have that light in us. And then he goes on to say that, Yen, you yourselves are the light of the world. 
because we carry within us the one who is the light. How awesome. And how wonderful that these things are so established, so strong, so foundational. We live in a world that's shaking and being shaken. The Lord, Jesus, the Lord said, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we shall worship God acceptably with reverence and, guilt and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. It's a wonderful thing we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. People can be shaken, churches can be shaken, but the kingdom can never be shaken. Churches may fail, churches may close. They're just local expressions of God's people coming together. But the kingdom will never fail. The kingdom will continue to increase. There is a difference between the church and the kingdom. And we need to keep our eyes on the kingdom and the one who is the king in the kingdom. Hallelujah, because he's living forever He's coming back again. He's ruling and reigning. He's looking over the increase of that kingdom all round the world. And praise the Lord, even as we speak right now, there are great movements of God in different countries around the world and multitudes being swept into the, into the kingdom and finding Jesus and finding new life. Hallelujah. And these things are going on and they're there for our encouragement too. As we meet here, a small company in a small church in a little place just on the edge of the countryside and, and the edge of the sea, um, it might seem that we're almost insignificant, perhaps even irrelevant, but we're not because we're linked with and part of the kingdom of the great king who is king over all, who created everything, who is upholding everything by the word of his power. And will one day bring it to an end by that same word of his power, just as he brought it into being right at the beginning. I was amazed, really. It just made me smile to think, you know, what God does when he releases his word. I was listening to something. They've done some fresh, um, uh, fresh exploration, fresh research into the universe, just recently broken out into the news and created a lot of excitement. And as they got to the end of this program, which I was listening to whilst taking the dogs for a walk, in the, carrying them, there, taking them that way in the car, so the radio was on. So, listeners, and they came to the end and they said something about the universe. And this man who'd been doing this research, he said, it's going on. And he, the fellow said, uh, who was interviewing him, raised a question and said to him, and... Where is the end to this universe? He said, there is no end. He said, the, the man said, it's just constantly reproducing and increasing, it's increasing because God spoke that word, let there be. He created it and it just has carried on increasing all down these centuries and will do so. What an amazing God. We can't get our, mind, our tiny minds around who he is and what he's done. Amen. And why am I saying all this? Because I'm saying that in the midst of this chaos, that we see chaos even this last week, how chronic, isn't it? Somebody said on the radio that um, it seems like everything in England is going to pot. And um, 
Well, it may seem like that, but believe me, the kingdom is not going in the pot. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and it's a kingdom that's increasing and growing around the world. So our part of our job here is, is being people being called into his kingdom and to be a part of it and to be partners with him, fellow workers with him, is to be those who pray and share and make the most of every opportunity, knowing that whatever seeds we plant, you know, the Lord watches over that seed. I know there's four types of four types of ground, and only one type of ground pay uh, will produce. But even so, that one falling into that um, uh, that good ground will reproduce and reproduce a great harvest. Brothers and sisters, we carry within us the very seed of the word of God and the life of God. It only just takes us to share something about the Lord and you never know what that seed will reproduce. i never forget a chappie who was ended up in ministry, but at the time that he was spoken to on the streets by a guy who was handing out tracts and stuff, he was a young man just not going anywhere, not knowing what he was here for, and whatever, and this fellow who was handing out tracks happened to say to him, um, uh, "Do you um, do you have any bread?" Uh, he was asking him something. The fellow said, "I've got everything I need." He says, "Do you have any bread?" He says, "I've got plenty of bread, meaning money, whatever." He says, "The fellow answered back. He says, but do you have the bread of life?'" And that fellow, that simple statement, "Do you have the bread of life?" went into him, it lodged in. It was one of those Holy Spirit moments where the seed sown went into good ground. That man started searching and that, that put him on a search that took him to the feet of Jesus to become saved and born again and filled with the Spirit of God, went into the ministry and became a well-known evangelist. What an amazing thing, just through one word. How that brother must have felt later on who brought Billy Graham to, it wasn't a particularly exciting or desperately fruitful from an outward point of view campaign that was being um, conducted in that tent in that rural part of America. But a fellow who didn't want to be there had come along to be the driver and was at the back listening and was hooked by what was said. There was hardly anybody saved there, but one man was saved. That young man was Billy Graham. And look what he's done. Seeds. We just, seeds. Brothers and sisters, we're called to be seed sowers. We're called to be prayers. Pray for the kingdom. Make it a daily prayer. Jesus gave it to us as a daily prayer. Pray um, for the kingdom of God to come. Lord, because yours, Lord, is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Praise the Lord. So we're... As I said, churches can be shaken. There's plenty of things we've gone through in recent months, but we're still here together and we will still continue to grow and go on because our eyes are on Jesus. Jesus is the foundation of this church. He's the foundation of our lives individually and the foundation of our life together. How wonderful that when Chrissy was fast asleep, she has this dream come upon her and the Lord said, 
And the Lord says, or the Spirit of God says, it's all about Jesus. Let's wrap that word deeply into our hearts and walk with it and live it. It's all about Jesus. Amen? Yeah. So I know that there are storms. I've talked about shaking. Um, and uh, I was, as I was pondering this message this morning, I felt the Spirit of God just quicken to me that story of the uh, when the Lord calmed the storm in Luke chapter 8. I just turned to it. Remember, here in Luke 8 here, um, it says here, one day, this is verse 22, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. And believe me, there's nothing, there's nothing sort of light or whimsical or casual about the things that Jesus said. Everything he said was purposeful. When he said, let's go up to the other side of the lake, he meant, let's go over to the other side of the lake. He meant, we're going over to the other side of the lake. And this is one, it's only a few verses, this, this, this little um, episode that's recorded here. But, you know, there were so many things that Jesus did. His impact was so great that John couldn't fit it all in in his gospel. And he said, there were many other things, he said, that Jesus did, which if I was able to share them, he said they'd, there weren't enough books in the world to contain them. But these I've shared with you so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So what we read in here, these portions about Jesus, are specially selected, were specially brought to the gospel writers to put down, to convey a specific aspect of who Jesus is and what, and a, a particular lesson that he wanted to share. So we need to look at a lesson like this and say, what is he really saying? And why is this one being selected? to be included here in the middle of this chapter. It says here, so they got into the boat and set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, so the boat was beginning was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided. And all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. There's things that stand out. To this. The, first, the first thing that stands out is not only we need to know when Jesus says, let's go to the other side, he means he's going to the other side. If you're with him, we're going together. Um, that's important. His word is true and his word will come about and will be fulfilled in every promise that he has made. But then you see these disciples, they're terrified. They think they're going to drown. They've been used to the sea. They've been brought up with boats and the sea and everything. They're experienced people on the sea. They know everything about the Lake of Galilee. But there's something about this storm. I believe it was a demonic storm to stop, or stirred up by the enemy to prevent Jesus getting to the other side. And because um, there was something about this 
storm that absolutely the disciples couldn't work out how to bring the boat under control, how to ride this storm out. They'd been through many storms before. The Sea of Galilee is known for them. But this, with all their life experience, all their experience on the water and with boats, was absolutely, had got them at sixes and sevens and in fear of their lives. And it can be like that sometimes with us. No matter what we've been through, sometimes things can happen and come upon us where we don't know the end from the beginning and how to work it out and what to do. But Jesus always has the answer. The thing is this, that sometimes it's not that easy to hear his voice. There are times when it seems as if he's asleep, when it seems that here he was, he was there with them. The Lord who upholds the universe by the word of his power, the very Son of God, through whom everything was made and nothing was made that was made. The scripture says he's there in them, with them, in that boat. But he's not saying anything. He's not communicating at that moment in their lives when they so needed him to. And it can be like that with us sometimes. And what, what do we need to do in those circumstances? What is Jesus expecting of us? He said to them, where is your faith? Brothers and sisters, this is... This is a question for us to take on board in whatever's going on in our lives, whatever goes on in the church. Where is your faith? Are you looking at men or are you looking at God? Are you looking at the Lord, who is the head of the body, the head of the church? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And when he says, I will build it, he means I will build it. So we can look to him with confidence and say, Lord, help us through this stage. Release the power of your spirit amongst us to do this work because we know it's not by might or by power. It's not by the force or, or winsomeness even uh, or the convincingness of an individual person's personality, their convictions. It's the Lord. It's not by might or by power of anybody's might or power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. We need to be those who seek the presence of the spirit and ask for the spirit of God to come and move amongst us and through us, whatever we're doing. Because quite honestly, it's unless the Lord builds the house, they labour in vain that build it. We can't build it. Paul said to the Corinthians who were going through a terrible time and getting all involved with personalities and did one had personality in this, one had faith in this personality, another in that personality and all oh, this one's kind of not here and all the rest of it and they were arguing. The whole place was becoming schismatic. Um, it's an interesting word, isn't it? Schismatic. But anyway, it was all becoming like people arguing with one another. And Paul says, look, who are these people? Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Who is Peter? He says, we're just servants. He said, well, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God gave the increase. It's God who causes things to grow. We need God to release his power to make things grow, to cause us to grow in our own lives and walk with him, to cause this church to grow, to cause our areas and our neighbours to come to know the Lord. It's all because no one comes to the Father except the Spirit draw him. 
We need the drawing of the Spirit to be operated. And he's looking to us to pray and make a way with our prayers. Prayer is so essential in these things. If you don't pray and whatever, what do you think you can do it yourself? I can tell you, you can't. I know, I mean, in the years that I was down, the many years we spent down at Cheen, Lean Lecture, sometimes I'd be away at the privilege of going to Africa, different places, and there were times that I'd come back and um, find that somehow the level of sense of presence of God in the church had dropped, and it was like stirring porridge. Now that's the enemy. That's not God. And so what I what I would do is to get up and be down that hall at six o'clock every morning and pray and pray my heart out to God in the spirit to restore his presence and to move in this place. And you know, it never took more than a week and he was back and it was awesome again. And uh, because God is looking for our prayers, brothers and sisters, we don't, what does, oh dear, what does James say? That the prayers, the prayers even of ordinary men and women are powerful. They are mighty in God. They're mighty in God. He said, who did he call Even Elijah. He said he was a person like us. We think, oh, that's a bit strong. A person like us. Hey, he called down fire from heaven. And, uh, and this water-sodden sacrifice all got burnt up. And he was able to deal with all God's enemies, these other occult priests. He said, I am, that's, that's power, that is, uh, to see the power, power of God. I can't be like that. Well, you could be if God calls you into that situation, and that's what he's asked you to do. Hallelujah. But he said, but there came another time when Elijah had got so upset, so disillusioned, so discouraged, that he got to this point, he ran away from a woman, away from Jezebel, and he cried out, Lord, take my life. And uh, it's enough, I've had enough, kind of thing. The Lord didn't accept that. But I'm saying that even a man like him could get depressed and overcome with discouragement. Yes, he's a man like us. We can be depressed at times. Although, I must admit, I'm a bit of a stranger to that, I'm glad to say. But nevertheless, people do get depressed and discouraged. And yet, even so, our prayers are mighty in God when we pray in the name that is above every name, the name who, in whom is vested all authority in heaven and on earth. Never devalue your prayers, no matter what you feel. You may feel, well, I didn't get very far there. Or I, nothing seemed to change. I didn't feel God. Don't go by your feelings. Go by God. Go by his word. Hallelujah. You know what it is with pilots? Oftentimes they're flying, in a sense, blind. You know, they're, they're surrounded by deep clouds and everything. And, and, uh, and sometimes we're sitting in the plane and you're looking out and you can't see anything. It's all thick cloud and darkness. One thinks, well, I'm glad the pilot knows where he's going. But he might be looking out and thinking the same. But his eyes are on the instruments. And the great thing is this. We've got an instrument here that guides us. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Amen. His word is life to those who find it and health to all our flesh. 
Now that all things are possible to him who believes. Where's your faith? Said the Lord to the disciples. And, and so he was expecting them to believe his word. Brothers and sisters, let's be those who believe God's word. Live by his word. Live it out by the power of the Spirit of God who has come to empower us to do that very thing. What am I saying in all of this? I'm saying there is one foundation and his name is Jesus who is the word of God. Yes, he himself is the very word of God and he is supreme and he is the foundation. Amen. Amen. And the church that he is building is an unstoppable church. It's an unstoppable church and what's more, the foundation of what Jesus is building is a church that's built upon forgiveness and reconciliation. You know, when when it's such an amazing thing, even what we said, even what Phil said here this morning over communion, it's totally amazing to realise that God, and he wants us to realise this, that he has totally and utterly blotted out every and any sin, transgression, mistake, We've ever made in our lives. It's blotted out in front of him. And he's even said, it says in Isaiah 43, 24, I, even I, am he who blots out your sin. Even for my own sake, I will remember them no more. He doesn't want you to be here. He doesn't want to be hearing about your sins from you. If you feel that you've upset the Lord and missed something, well then by all means say, Lord, I'm sorry, I missed it then. Please forgive me. We walk on together. Hallelujah. But he doesn't see us as sinners. He sees us in Jesus. And our life is in him. And he is in us. What an amazing God. To think that each of us, every day, have a clean sheet to go out and walk on. And, uh, and to write on. Amen. Oh, brothers and sisters, I can't get over it, really. It's almost frightening to think that, and yet it's wonderful in its frighteningness, to think that somehow he has completely removed all our sin. And his grace, where sin increased, grace increased all the more, Romans says. Hallelujah. The grace of God covers us, each one. I haven't hardly said anything of what I prepared to say this morning. <laughs> but, but I want to say this, to, and I'll just wrap up what I was going to say um, in simply a couple of minutes by saying this, that when Jesus said he would build his church, he said he would build it, and he sent the Holy Spirit to be the one who would come alongside and give the wisdom, the power, the strength and the necessary guidance to see that church built and become a vibrant, vital community of believers in whom the Holy Spirit dwelt and could move through them. And the four key things that were important for them, we see it in the book of Acts after all the turmoil that, was, that had happened and all the still vengeful hatred of many of the religious community, the scribes and the Pharisees, we find that they get together and out of this group, um, we find in Acts 2.42 here, 
we find it describes their relationship together as this. Then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave uh, to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet uh, together in the temple courts. Do you think it's an effort to come out once a week or to go out to, uh, to home group? Every day they met together. They were so excited. Oh, Lord, do that again. Bring back that excitement of Jesus in the midst of his people. Amen. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I just want to pick out those four key foundations at the beginning of that, verse 42. The fact is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And brother says, what's the apostle? You say, well, we don't have the apostles here. There are apostles. We might not have apostles here in this place, but we've got the apostles' teaching. It's in this book. And if we're faithful to continue with this word, that's why it's so important to hear the word, absorb it, meditate on it, which means chew on it, and chew it over and over. Just don't go out and say, oh, Michael was in good form today, or oh, Michael's off beam today, or whatever. Um, just... Chew on what's said. Chew on this question. Where is your faith? Who are you looking to? And praise the Lord, we're looking to the one who is with whom all things are possible. Remember that. Whatever you're looking at, right underneath when you've considered your summation of what's facing you, write, all things are possible to him who believes. The words of Jesus. Are you a believer? That's what they call these people, the believers met together. Let's be believers and not doubters. Amen? Hallelujah. So, they gave themselves to, um, now I've lost it, they devoted themselves. That's a strong word. They were hungry for the word of God. And you know, every word of scripture, it says in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, is that every, all scripture is god breathed. When you pick this scripture up, when you turn open your Bible, say to the Lord, Lord, I'm holding in my hand something that's living. Something that you breathed out. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. And that word, there's two different words in the Greek for, for word. One is logos and the other is rhema. The word logos means the whole of the counsel of God. The word rhema means the word spoken out and the word that God gives out of his mouth that he speaks right now to you that comes alive in your heart. That's rhema, God speaking that by the Spirit to you. That's why sometimes you can go through the scriptures like, and all of a sudden something comes out at you and it begins to quicken your heart and stir you. That's rhema. But the whole of it is the logos. And even the Logos, is, it says here in the scripture, is living and it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So when you pick this up, I want to encourage you, have a, 
Stir up a fresh hunger for the word of God. And when you come to it, say, Lord, I'm holding in my hand your living word that you breathed out. Speak to me this morning. Show me something. Show me something fresh about yourself. Show me something about what you're saying to me today. Show me something fresh about Jesus. These people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. No wonder they grew. Hallelujah. And to the fellowship, koinonia, meeting together. Oh, bro, there's too much to say all about that. And to, but we'll come back to it another time. And to um, the breaking of bread. So important. Every time they met, they broke bread. They remembered Jesus. They remembered his life. They shared with each other, encouraging one another in the Lord. How, what he'd done. And the deliverances that they heard, the teaching they heard, the miracles they saw. And they would encourage, then the cross. Remember now they'd been so discouraged and cast down, but then the resurrection and then the fact the angel said he's coming again, it's not all over. It's ongoing. It's building. Oh, brothers and sisters, yeah, meet together. Feed on him in your hearts by faith. Hallelujah. And to prayer. We've said about prayer. A lot more to say about prayer. But let's just remember this this morning. Go and look at this again when you get home. Turn up Acts 2. And read it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Let's do that. And let's make a place for God to move amongst us and fulfill his purposes for this place. Your life, my life, our lives together. For his praise and his glory. Amen. 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 Father, Thank you for your presence with us today. Thank you for the constancy of your love, the unshakableness of your word and your promise. And Jesus, the foundation of everything that is true and pure and lovely, everything that is true of you and me in us together. We thank you for Jesus this morning. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship and presence of the Holy Spirit go and be with each one of us and remain with us today, tonight, tomorrow and every day that lies before us for your praise and your glory. Amen. Bless the Lord.